let me, um, I, I want to start off by, you guys give a huge hand to this band who was up here for us. Uh, you guys were awesome. These guys um, led us in worship uh, this past weekend. We had, our, we had a Disciple Now weekend. It was, uh, it was a huge thing for us. We've been praying for it, praying over it for, uh, for, for months. And, and it, was, um, it was a huge success. God did some really, really awesome things in the life of our students. And so um, uh, one of the most successful things was the fact that we had a band come in and just lead us. Um, our kids uh, learn more about worship, learn more about a personal relationship with God in their life because of this weekend. And I wanted to thank you guys for it. Y'all were awesome. Thank y'all so much. Um, a, a lot of thank yous that I have because this weekend was a huge undertaking. And, and it was one of those things where I, I don't have much hair. And what is here I'd like to keep. Um, it, it, it's, it's an exercise in futility. I understand that. But I beat my head against the wall. Well, whatever. So, um, But there are a lot of thank yous that I have. Um, People, uh, people donated food for, uh, for the students, and y'all brought it by here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding something. I have a little one, um, and she's hitting some growth spurts, and she can eat a pretty good bit. She takes after her daddy. Uh, but, but these students are like little grocery um, vacuums. And it's like you sit something down and, 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 you know, a bag of chips. And I'm not meaning like the fun-sized bag of chips. I'm meaning like family size. And you set something down, and you turn around, and it's gone. And like little 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 pieces of confetti that used to be the bag that was in it are, are now just strewn about the room and you see you see all these students with like little little, little cheese goatees all over I don't know what happened to it you know um, but so you guys who, who dropped off food for us thank y'all thank y'all very much you, uh, you handed a cup of cold water to some hungry students you handed uh, some, some, some sodas and some uh, and, some, and uh, some, some food to our students this weekend. Thank y'all. Thank y'all very much. Um, another another set of thank yous that I that I need to um, need to say are to our host homes. Um, some of you guys in the church opened up your homes to us and let us uh, and let us come in and um, and crash with you. Um, Chad and Marla um, they opened up their homes to the the gentlemen in in the band and uh, it was one of those things where um, I was asked a few times now why. Why are you having the band sleep in one place and, and you know, you and your guys sleeping in another? It's because, uh, very simple, they have about a three-hour drive back, and I want them to get some sleep. And, um, and what I've always seen about, about boys is that when they get away from home, they're going to talk for, I don't know, ever? About anything, about whatever. Hey, look at the paint. Isn't that interesting, paint? Look at the wallpaper. Hey, look at the sun coming up. Did we really... Just miss out on an opportunity for sleep. Yes, yes, you did. Um, and, and, and so Chad and Marla opened their home uh, to, to let the band uh, come in. The, the girls stayed at my house, and so I don't even want to see that light bill. I can't imagine the hair dryers and the straighteners and the curling irons and, and the, 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 the smells, the smells. Y'all pray for me. Pray, pray with me. Um, but, uh, but so the girls stayed over at our house. And then uh, the guys, we, we actually stayed over at Bo and Daryl Preston's house. And I tell you what, uh, they, they got the market cornered on that. We came in and there was like a cake sitting there. Do I look like a guy who needs cake? <laughs> I've had a little bit in my day. Just a few. And, and they had a cake sitting out there for us and, and chips and sandwiches and drinks and stuff like that. Uh, one of our guys just, his eyes got, got huge. They were like, is this for us? I had to hold him back. 
he was like a wolverine, okay? So he, so he tore into that stuff. Thank you all very much for opening up your home to us. Y'all are, um, y'all are more generous than I can, I can ever, I can ever uh, be able to tell you. Um, uh, Chad and Wayne. Uh, Chad uh, led, um, led us in, in one, of our, one of our sessions. He, uh, he spoke to us about leadership, did an awesome, awesome job. I tell you what, we have a, a huge blessing in, in, in our pastor. Um, He's able to communicate, able to speak very well across several different uh, generational boundaries. He can talk to kids. He can talk to students. He can talk to us. He can talk to me, which communicating to me is sometimes, again, when we talk about exercises and futility, that kind of thing, that, that sometimes happens. Not the brightest crayon in the box often. And so, uh, but Chad, uh, Chad spoke to us this weekend. He did an awesome job. Um, another guy who did an awesome job, Wayne Noggle. Uh, very good friend of mine. I've known Wayne since I had hair, and um, that's been a while. And since I, I'm not going to tell you the size of pants that I'm wearing, but it was smaller, okay? So let's just leave it at that. Uh, I, don't, I don't need any more, uh, any more blows to my self-esteem. Um, but so, no, Wayne, Wayne and I have known each other since I was a middle schooler, and uh, he, was my, he was my student pastor for, for a long while. Um, I'm not going to get into too much stuff, but Wayne is, uh, we were learning about Joseph a few weeks back. Wayne is one of those Joseph guys that whatever I've seen people put, in, put him in charge of, it's just gotten better and better and better. It doesn't matter if it's a business. It doesn't matter. Hey, Wayne, could you, could you mop the toilets for us? Sure thing. I'll do it. Toilets are going to look better than they ever have. Hey, Wayne, could you teach a Sunday school class? Sure thing. Hey, um, this Sunday school class has grown, grown to 50 students. Can we, can we get a room? Sure. Whatever he does... He does well at. And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted him and his students to come in because I knew that he was going to teach us well and he did teach us very well um, about personal holiness, about the cost of leadership in our students' lives. Um, I think some hard heart work got done last night because of the message that Wayne delivered to us. So, so man, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, there were several people who cooked I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you one thing on a Saturday morning in the fall when it's nice and it's not cold outside but it's just cool. People who get up and, and cook breakfast for other people, they are they are awesome. We have we have two of them in here. Marla um, woke up. It wasn't even the crack of dawn, okay? Like the crack of dawn was still a few hours to go. So Marla and Wendy woke up and and came up here and cooked breakfast for a bunch of for a bunch of half half dead. Teenagers who, what, what time is it? I don't want to be up at 7. This is way too early. The sun's not up. And so, well, this is what, this is what you're, you're traveling into. This is going to be your life for the next you know, few years after high school. You're welcome. So, um, but these ladies woke up and, and, and made us a breakfast. And I tell you what, um, uh, whenever you guys start your catering company, just let me know. Um, I, I, I will... I will Gladly be your guinea pig for any recipes that y'all have to try out. It was very, very good. Um, another, another, another couple who, uh, who really, uh, I tell you what, they, they did an awesome, awesome job for us. The Cochrans and I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see Mac, Max back there trying to, uh, to duck down. They, uh, they came up here and cooked dinner for us last night. They did an awesome job. And I don't know if like Amber is part Sicilian or what, but she cooked some spaghetti that would. Um, Doggone. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? She, so, so she did an awesome job. Mac did an awesome job. The coolest thing to me is that they, they, they cooked, they cleaned up everything, they got out of here. And Mac was just like, 
you know, we just, we just wanted, to, wanted to feed you guys. We, you know, and just get out of here. Very selfless, very humble people. The way that Jesus probably would have, uh, probably would have cooked a meal for somebody, that's the way they cooked him a meal for us last night. Um, Amy, uh, Amy Burns is in the sound booth. Y'all take a look back, uh, back there at her. Wave, hi, Amy. She's the one turning about as bright red as her shirt. Um, Amy is a Swiss Army volunteer, okay? And what I say that is that, hey, Amy, can you do this? Sure. Hey, Amy, can you dig a ditch? Sure. Hey, Amy, can you run, a sound, uh, can you run the sound booth? Sure. Hey, Amy, um, I'm having some problem with uh, physics. Can you? Sure, why not? You ask her to do anything. She can do it, and she can do it probably better than you or me. But so she's really very, very talented young lady. Um, she's come here, and she's jumped right in. Uh, there, are cert- there are several things that happened this weekend that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been manning a table, if she hadn't been looking after the, the students, you know, watching over this small group, if she hadn't been doing this and doing that. Um, she helped cook lunch for us yesterday, along with uh, my, my, beautiful, uh, <laughs> my beautiful wife. Um, gentlemen, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you some wisdom here, just, so just receive this. The second greatest gift that God will ever give to you is your wife. And uh, that's second only to salvation. I, uh, I, have, I have been the recipient of many blessings that I didn't have coming my way because of, of marrying Hope. And she, uh, she, is, she is far better than I deserve. And before I lose a man card, I'm going to try to stop crying. So... <laughs> But so, um, but so, all of you guys have worked together, using your gifts and your talents together, and y'all made something awesome for us. So thank y'all very much. Thank y'all very much. Um, I want to thank the parents too, who uh, who let us um, who let us uh, have your kids for the weekend. We had an awesome, awesome time. It it, it is it is a daunting responsibility to be their student pastor. Um, it is a responsibility that, uh, that is <clears throat> very intimidating, and, and I'm glad that I get to be the one to lead your students. Thank you all, sincerely, from the depths of my heart. Um, love you guys. I love this church, and I love our students. These are the best students around, and they're growing, and they're, they're learning things, and they are, they are awesome. I'm having an awesome time hanging out with them. Thank you all very much. We... Um, we learned, uh, we learned a lot of stuff this week, and one of the things that we learned is that, is that our culture, and you guys, um, if you're parents, you, you're kind of tracking with me on this as well, but we learned that a lot of our culture, by and large, is starting to disintegrate, and it's starting to kind of fall apart. Have you guys seen this? Look at, look at the music that is being, that is being pumped into their lives. Look at the, look at the television shows and the, and the movies that are being marketed to students. Look at how much of culture is being bent towards them in order, in order to get them to act a certain way. Um, there's a war going on right now for the lives of our students, and um, with, God's, uh, with God's strength and with God's power, these students are, are slowly and surely winning that war. But, but, but our culture is disintegrating, and like I said, it's something that you guys, um, you guys have noticed as well. Um, and the thing is, is that our students, as, you know, as, they're, as they're getting older and older, year after year, we are graduating more and more of them into, into the real world. And so they're either stepping into the workforce and, and 
being a product of, of this culture that we had talked about, or the stepping into college, which for a lot of students is, a, is just a really good time to absolutely lose everything that you, you have worked so hard for um, in high school. Mom and daddy ain't there, and mom and daddy ain't looking. And you're old enough to make decisions, and you're still young enough to think you're having fun. You know what I mean? And so we're, we're putting more and more of our students into, uh, into the line of fire, and we're telling, uh, we're telling them, okay, you know, time to fly the coop, and time to sink or swim. And I want you guys to take a look at, uh, at, at the culture at large, not just, not just Dublin and not just Lawrence County, but, but nationwide. 25 and under, how are they doing? Are they sinking or are they swimming? I'm seeing a lot of sinking going on, you know? And this is, this is what is pouring into, and this is what is bombarding the minds of our students. This next generation that's what they're coming up out of. I want, I'm saying all this to kind of give you guys a, a framework for understanding what it is that these students are dealing with. That this is, the, this is what they're coming out of. This is what they're having to fight tooth and nail against every day. And, um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's, difficult. it's difficult for them. God is uh, giving them the strength to do it. That's the only way that it can happen. But these are the students, like I said, the ones who are coming out of this, who are undergoing these things, who are, who are facing these fights. These are the ones who in five, ten years, in the life of this church, these are the students who are going to be stepping into places of leadership. They're going to be, they're going to be stepping into to areas where they're going to be volunteering. They're going to be working, uh, some of them in the nursery, some of them in the back. Some of them are going to be stepping up here. Austin Zook is one of our students who has already stepped up here and uh, is doing an awesome job for us. But so more and more what you're going to see is that these students, um, as time goes on, are going to be stepping into into leadership positions. And God willing, these students will one day be stepping into positions as some of our teachers, some of our elders, some of the caretakers of this church. Because here's the thing. um, These students are are stepping into positions where they're going to be the church. Now, I, I grew up in a, in a very, uh, very um, close-knit community. Um, when I say that I had a drug problem as a student, what I mean is we were drugged to church. <laughs> they, they, they ended up just cutting us keys and saying, listen, we, we don't need to be here as, as often as you all are. Just here, let yourself in. This is the, this is the alarm code. Just, just have fun, okay? My parents, if, if the door was open, sometimes when it wasn't, we were up there. And so if you, if you know this little, this little thing, don't leave me hanging. I, I know some of y'all know this little, this little thing, but I'm going to say, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and there's all the people. Now, some of y'all left me hanging, and that ain't cool. And, and, and God will deal with your heart on that, and, uh, and that, that's, that's something that you, you and him just need to make right. I can't do that for you. That's, uh, that's. But, um, but so we learned that from an early age that, you know, Here's all the people. This is the church. And you know what? That's actually not right, is it? That this is not the church. This is the church. Because, God forbid, if something should happen in this building and it collapses tomorrow, Dublin Bible Church is still here. If something happens and this building is no longer here, Dublin Bible Church is still here because you are the church. 
It's more than just the walls. It's more than just the wires. It's more than just the pipes. You are the church. You are the ones who have been called out. You are the ones who God has said, I am pulling you out, and I want you to think about this, and I want you to think about your own salvation experience right now. God is saying, you're the ones that I have pulled out of darkness. Some of you kicking and screaming, pulled out of darkness, and I've brought you into the light, and I've called you away from something into something far better. You guys are the church. And that's why I say that, that, um, that this building it's an awesome building. These are, these are some awesome facilities, and we can do some amazing things. But this building is not the church. Y'all are. So as the church, I'm going to ask you guys um, a question and, and just kind of think about this. If, if, if we're the church, you and me, how long do you want this church to keep going on? How long do you want it, how long do you want it to be here? Like 10 more years? If, if I were to say, okay, in 10 years from, t- from today, um, if I were to come back to you and the, the doors were to close, would you say we had a good run? See, I'm a little greedy. And I don't want just 10 years. What about 50 years? If I were to say in 50 years from now, the, the, the face of the church has changed dramatically. Some families have come, some families have gone, some families have stayed and just expanded. 50 years from now, is that enough time? Is, that, is it okay then to close the doors of, of Dublin Bible Church? Have, have we accomplished what our founders and the people who planted this church and ultimately the, the founder, the one who planted this church, Jesus Christ, have we accomplished everything that we set out to do? Is 50 years enough? How about 100 years? Is that enough time? You know when we've had enough time? When everybody in this community when they are saved, when they are, when they are pouring into other people, when we have believers who are building believers. That's, that's the end game that God is concerned with. Because here's the thing, and I want you guys to get this. If we don't plan for this church to outlast us, it won't. In other words, if, if it's just something that we're not even planning for this, the church can outlast me, sure, but if we're not planning for us, if we're not thinking about this strategically in the back of our minds, this is the thing that's waking us up at night, this is the thing that's just, it's stuck in our craw, you know, it's turning our stomachs. If we don't plan for the church to outlast us, guess what? It won't. And this will be like 3,000 other churches every year that closes its doors. Think about that. 3,000 churches Every year, close their doors, and the darkness creeps in a little bit more. And that's one more community that doesn't have the light of the gospel shining into it. Because it's one more community that didn't think about their church outlasting them. I want this church, when my grandkids drive through this area, I want them to to point towards that church. Yeah, that's where my granddad was at. My, um, my own granddad, um, just to give you a little bit of background about me, he was a pastor for over 50 years. Um, he served all, uh, all over Georgia. He was a circuit pastor. So uh, there's a church over here, and there was a church over here that he was pastoring both of them. He was a multitasker. I don't know. I couldn't do it. But So he was here the first and third Sunday. He was here the second and fourth Sunday. And the fifth Sunday of the month, well, he got a day off, and it was a well-deserved day off. 
and, and, and so some of the time he was a circuit pastor. Some of the times he was actually planting churches. There's a church that's still, still meeting today that he planted. Um, and then there were some other churches that that was just, that was the one church that he poured into. And one of them, uh, this has been some years ago, and that's the church that my mother grew up in. And, and um, they were celebrating their, get this, their 150th anniversary. They'd been there for a little while. 150 years. And, and just taking, taking a trip back there um, uh, just here recently, uh, it, it was, it's in my hometown, and it's one of those things where I'm looking at that church, and I don't know if they're going to make it to, to 175. I doubt very seriously they'll make it to 200 because they don't have a plan for the church to outlast them. Some of the members would say, yeah, well, you know, it, when I pass on, I mean, th- this church might pass on with me, and, well, that might be okay. Is that what you guys want? It's not what I want. That, that's not what I want when, when, when Hope and I were praying about coming here, and, and when, we, when we talked to the elders, I saw, I saw some men with fire in their eyes that, that didn't want this church to, to end with them didn't want this church to end with me. They wanted this church to go on and to go on and to go on to them to reach the lost and to equip them to make saints out of the sinners so that they can reach other sinners and make them into saints. That is what I'm in this thing for. My, um, my mother, when, uh, when, I, when I told her that... that God had been dealing in my heart and, and, um, and impressing on my heart that, that I was called to full-time ministry. Being, being a PK, a pastor's kid, she, she sent me down the gauntlet. I tell you what, she is, well, you know that this is never going to happen. You know that this is never happening. You know that this is never going to happen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Then why do you want to do it? Because I've been called to this and I can't do anything else. Not, I'm not pretty enough to be a male model. <laughs> well, Hope thinks I am, and uh, and and that's all that, that's all that matters. So, um, but I say all that to say that there has to be a plan in place for this church, for it to outlast us, because it is. Can I tell you something? This church will outlast us. It'll be here long after I'm gone, by God's power and by His provision. It will outlast us, and we have to have a plan in place. And, and if there's anybody who knew about, about churches outlasting him, it was the Apostle Paul. You see, he gave up everything. When we say, when we say well, you know, I'm going to sacrifice this for the church, he gave up everything. He was a man of position. He was a man of authority. He was a man who was respected. And God did something to him that totally changed the way he saw that. He said, you know what, this is, this is rubbish. This is This is garbage. It's not, it, it, it's not even worthy to be compared to the glorious gospel. So Paul knew that, that there had to be some sort of plan in place. And so towards, uh, towards one part in his ministry, he's writing to a young man named Titus. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2, verses 2 through 8. And, and as you're turning there, I'm going to give you the context He's writing to Titus, and Titus is a pastor of a, of a local church. And so he's telling him, okay, this is how things have to be done. You read in some of Paul's letters, uh, letters to the Romans, he's, he's kind of telling them, because he never went to the Roman church, okay, this is what, 
This is what salvation is. This is what grace is. And so he's kind of handling them with kid gloves. You read letters to the Corinthians, and he says, stop doing that. You guys are not thinking straight. You're not very, very smart. You should be past this. And, and he just takes the kid gloves off. Right now, he's writing to a very, very dear friend that he's poured into. And, and he's probably built this young man up. And he tells him, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. He says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine. Probably a good idea there. But to teach what is good. So he's telling the older believers, he said, this is, what you, this is how you need to instruct the older believers. Tell them to be reverent, worthy of respect, you know, Tell, tell the old women, the older women to, uh, to not be addicted to much wine, not be slanderers, gossips, that sort of thing. Is, and he says, uh, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And so he says, teach the older believers this so that they can, they can then teach the younger believers this. And he, and he gives a lot of things that might not be, might not be specifically tied to, tied to the gospel, right? He says, teach them how to be busy in their homes, be self-controlled, subject to their husbands. So that, and, and, and what does it say there? So that no one will malign the word of God. And then he says, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And we could stop right there, couldn't we? If my generation has, has one failing, it is just the complete, total lack of self-control. But we're, we're moving on, and he says, In everything, set them in an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed, because they have nothing bad to say about us. So... I'm going to break this down very, very easily. What Paul is telling the, uh, the church here is, he says, older believers, more mature believers, people who can handle this, come alongside these younger believers who don't quite know the ropes yet, who, 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 who are still kind of getting their sea legs about them when it comes to this church thing, when it comes to this, how do I have a quiet time? How do I, how do, I do these sorts of things? Come alongside them, teach them. It's going to be hard, if not impossible, to learn it. Learn it themselves. And, and so what Paul is doing here is he's challenging the believers of, of all generations to have a place in the church. He's, uh, he's challenging the older believers, the more mature believers, to train the, uh, the younger believers. The point is clear that, that we are all supposed to be working in concert and in unity. And here's the thing. Uh, for, for our older believers... For, for the leaders, the current leaders in this church, here's what I want you to get. If, 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 if you hear me in one thing and that's it, please understand this. That you, like I said, you are the church, right? You are the church that these students will become. They're going to act like a mirror to what you do, good or bad. You are the church 
these students will become. So when, when you see, I'm okay with the service, w- w- with how much service I am, I, I am rendering to the local church. I'm okay with my level of giving. I'm okay with, with, uh, with how I am loving the body of believers. If you're okay with that, then good, because what you're doing is going to be reflected in these students. If you're saying, oh, well, that's not fair. You're kind of hitting below the belt. Um, I want you to take a look at at what you're doing, how you're serving, who you're pouring into, and how you're doing it, and realize that these students will mimic you, and they will mirror you, because you are the example that they see. You're the church these students will become. Um, And so we need someone to train us. We need someone to, like I said, to show us the ropes. Um, when I was younger, um, probably some of these students' age, there's something wrong up here. Okay, there's a lot of things wrong up here. <laughs> but, but one thing in particular, I just love to split wood by hand. Um, I don't know why it is. Um, Wayne, uh, Wayne, one of the things he's, he said is that you take a look at Jared and you don't know if he belongs behind the plow or in front of it. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was, that was really encouraging stuff. Uh, re- really changed my life. Thanks. Thanks. No, no. But, um, but so uh, I grew up in, and it was just, for some reason, it was one of those things that I loved to do. I loved to split wood by hand. My dad um, finally had to get a, a wood mall for me that he called Idiot Proof that is just because I'm a, and I even tested the, the bounds of that. But so it is just a steel pipe welded to a wedge, and it weighs about 15 pounds. And as he says, that, that machine runs out of gas pretty quick. And it does, and it'll it'll get you it'll get you pretty strong. But so there was this there was this log that I was uh, that I was just going to town on for about three or four hours one day, and, and I couldn't I couldn't do anything with this. It would just absorb every bit of force that I was putting into it. So my dad comes out there. He's like, "Well, what are you doing? I'm trying to split a log?" He said, "Well, how are you doing? You tell me. <laughs> not, not a whole lot of logs being split today, Dad." So he says, "Well, where are you hitting it?" just kind of in the, in the middle of it. He says, you want some help? I said, sure. You know, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm trying to get a good breath in. I don't have good cardio, um, and so I, I, I'm not really breathing all that well. And so he says, well, we'll just turn it over. I'm like, okay. So he says, you see this right here? And it's a crack in the, in the log. He said, I'm going to put the wood mall right into that. I said, okay. So he does it, knocks it in half. He says, now I'm going to bust the rest of these up. And I'm like, is this show up the young kid day? Is that what it is? Thanks, Dad. And he says, no, no, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you this is how you do this so that you don't waste your energy doing needless things. See, I needed training. I needed to be shown how to do certain things. And if I wanted to, I could have spent all day just wailing on this thing, and and it wouldn't wouldn't have done any good. I needed training to know how to to do that. Practically in our lives, these students, myself included, we will need training from, from some of you guys in, in how, to, how to do certain things in our life. A very, very real-time example of this, and, and I didn't mention these two because I wanted to bring special attention to them later, but a very real-time example of this is uh, we, have, we have two, um, two mature believers who came and they gave up part of their weekend for us. First is Marshall McDuffie. He, uh, he came out there with us, and... Um, Marshall walked into a room that was red and black and gray. 
And he looked around, and the fight-or-flight instinct was kicking in. I could tell. He was like, this isn't, Jesus ain't in this room. It, it, we need a little bit more, you know, blue and gold, and then I'll be happy. Marshall's a huge Georgia Tech fan, and, and I'm a huge Georgia fan, and so we know which one of us is smarter. He actually graduated from Georgia Tech, and Marshall's much, much, uh, much more intelligent than I am. But so, so we brought him out there, and I, I put him in a red and black room, and I, I'm very sorry for that, and I, I, I confess and I repent of that. Uh, but, but Marshall taught us. Um, taught us about having a quiet time and, and, and our daily devotional time with God. And he taught us about how to study the Bible. And I thought that was awesome. He did a much better job than I ever could have. Marshall, thank you very much for pouring into the lives of our students. The, the, uh, another, another dear saint who, uh, who has just loved on our students for a long time, Linda Jones. Um, she came out there and uh, she talked to us about prayer and, and what an essential part of our life that is. And I tell you what, I could have studied for, for four and a half months if I wanted to, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have touched the, just on the briefest of, of, of knowledge that she had on that subject. She has so much experience in that, and she poured into the lives of our students in a way that I never could. Linda, thank you very much. These students will grow in ways that I could never have, have poured into them because you two poured into them. Thank you all very much. Y'all give these guys a huge round of applause. <laughs> and, and some of you guys are going are gonna to look at me and you're going to say, um, I'm not called to student ministry. I, I, just, I just can't do it. It just, it, it, it makes me cringe to think about going out there with students, and, and I understand. Uh, I would say that's probably not an area you're called to. If you, have, if you have the gag reflex kicking in when you go back into the nursery... Please don't serve in the nursery. <laughs> if, if, um, if, if you have limited patience, you might not want to serve in the children's ministry. I was a children's pastor for a long time, and I know that m- m- some of the training that they go, back, go through back there is similar to Navy SEAL training. <laughs> so um, I would say that not everybody is called to every area. But everybody is called to an area. And some of you in here may be called to help out in student ministry in different ways. Some of you guys may be called to every now and then. We're going to bring you in on a Wednesday night or on a, or on a Saturday afternoon. And you're just going to talk to us about a certain issue. That's awesome. Some of you guys might be great as small group leaders. That's, that's perfect. Some of you guys might not be called to student ministry at all. One of the first times that I met Shane Preston, he said, don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. And so, Shane, I'm, you're off the hook for, for right now for that. So, so be released from that. But, uh, but so some of you guys might not be called to student ministry, but I can tell you this. Believers, every one of us is called somewhere. We're called to do something. I'm going to flip over to, uh, to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. If, you, if you're good at the Bible drill and you can flip over there, fast, perfect. If not, it's going to be up here. And Paul tells the, uh, the Corinthian church, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a, uh, each one of you is a part of it. If you'll, if you'll see, I've kind of, kind of drawn attention to each one of you is a part of it. So what Paul is trying to tell us here is that nobody gets off the hook, okay? 
Each one of us is a part of this thing. Each one of us can contribute something and should contribute. And should contribute, I'll even say this, in a way that is in accordance to your gifting and, and, and to your talents. And, and this, is, this is something that I want to challenge you guys to do. Um, Paul uses the analogy of the body several times throughout Scripture. He uses it here in Corinthians. He uses it in Romans several other times. And he uses different body parts. He uses the eyes. Okay, he uses the hands, the ears, the feet. Several body parts. You know what part he never talks about? The hind end. He never mentions it. Not once. You know why? Because ain't nobody supposed to be the hind end. Nobody's supposed to sit and soak. Because I bet the mortgage on it. You sit and soak, you'll sour. And more and more, you won't be a member of the church. You'll be a critic of the church. And it won't be that you love the church. You've got something that, yeah, that's just not right. And I don't like that. And, some, and s- there's nothing wrong with having some critiques and some input. That's fine. But when everything about the church makes your skin crawl, you might want to think about what the, what the common denominator is there. And I've heard people say, well, this church just doesn't, this doesn't bless me, and so I can't go here anymore. And, and I would encourage you, yes, you, you might need to take a look at the fact that, uh, that you have a, a, a different vision with the church. And I would, the reason why I'm saying this is because I've heard people uh, say this to me before on a, at a church that I was serving on staff at. A gentleman came up to me and he said, I just, the church isn't blessing me anymore. And we were talking, and I said, well, how are you blessing the church? I said, because... I see it. You're, you're showing up to everything, but I don't see you volunteering for anything. And that conversation went really well, let me tell you. But, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that when we sit and when we soak, eventually we do sour. And if we do that for long enough, guess what? Remember how I said that you were the church the students will become? We're going to see that and we're going to emulate that. And when we see that, when we emulate that long enough, then this church won't outlast us. And this church will die with us. And this building might be turned into something else. They might tear it down. They might keep it and use it as something. But it won't be a church. And the darkness will creep back in. So I I would say this. You might not be called a student ministry, but you will eventually be around... and you will be serving these students as, as you're listening to God and as you're taking steps of faith and as you're, as you're working and as you're putting your hand to the plow and as you're pushing against the pile with us. You'll be serving around some of these students because as, as much as I'm saying this to you, I'm saying this to them too. Hey, what are you doing? Where are you serving? What are you pouring into? Because one of the things that we're, we're doing with our student ministry is that we're, what we're instilling in them is that if you're not pouring into something, if you're just storing it up, then you're not going to grow. There's a level of growth that can't be attained by sitting and studying and soaking that it has to be attained by serving. And, and here's the thing. I don't, want to, I don't want to beat you guys up. What I do want to do for the next few minutes is I just want to... I want to paint a picture in your mind of what this could be if we are doing this. Because, see, here's the thing. If we are being the body of Christ, as he's called us to be, then we won't ever have to worry about that, this church closing its doors 
You know what we will have to worry about? The doors flying off the hinges from everybody coming in. Because here's the thing. This is, <laughs> this is what I know about Jesus. Some people hated him. Some people loved him. Some people started off hating him, ended up loving him. Some people didn't know what they thought about him, but everybody wanted to be around him. And when we're acting as the body of Christ, it is the closest thing to his presence that we can get here on earth. Because he's given us every gift that we need to, to minister and to serve how he did. What did he tell us? He, t- he said, great things I've done, greater things you will do. I'm going to be with the Father, so I'm sending the Spirit to be with you. Believer, the Spirit is inside you. And if we are functioning as the body of Christ, and if we are being his hands and feet, like I said, you know what our biggest problem is going to be? <laughs> Where to put the cars? Because people will be showing up who they don't know about Christianity, they don't know about this or that, but, but I know that something's different. I know that they love Jesus. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if they're handing out like 20s as people come in the door. That might be a, I mean, we might need to look into that. <laughs> Budget might be a bit large for that. But people, did, did, let, me, let me put it to you like this. You ever notice that Jesus never had a problem drawing a crowd? He never, he never went into the, to, to the town square and said, Hey, I'm going to be out here if y'all, I'm just going to be hanging out if any of y'all want to come out with me. People heard where Jesus was, and people went to it. People will hear where Jesus is, where his body of Christ is functioning, and they will be there because there was something about Jesus that people couldn't stay away from. There's something still about the body of Christ being the body of Christ that people won't stay away from. I guarantee it. That's plan A for God to to reach the lost, that the body of Christ would act like the body of Christ. And... (laughs) One of the things that you also never heard Jesus say is, God, I, I really just need you to send, uh, to send more, more wheat. I really just need you to grow the harvest. No, he said the harvest is plentiful. Guys, look at Dublin. Look at, look at Lawrence County. The harvest is plentiful. Do you ever see anybody with a broken heart where you work? That's a plentiful harvest. Do you ever see somebody with questions that they don't know how to, how to answer? Why is, why is my marriage in shambles? Why, why, why don't... Why are my kids acting the way that they are? Why, why, can't I, why can't I find the questions to these answers? That's a plentiful harvest. Jesus never said, God, send more a harvest. No, he said, send workers into the field. And so when we pray, God, you've got a plentiful harvest, so send workers, don't be surprised when he says, you got it. Go get them. And I promise you, when we're being the body of Christ, the way that we're supposed to be, the way that we're gifted to be, the way that you can already do better than anybody else, this church ain't going to close its doors in 10 years. It ain't going to close the doors in 50. We will reach people who will reach people. We will build believers who will build believers who will build believers. And you know what it all comes back down to is where am I going to serve? What am I going to do next? So I'm going to pray for us, and, and uh, I want you guys to, to be thinking about these next few days and these next few moments as you go to lunch, as you go home, some of you guys, 
What am I doing? Where am I pouring into? What am I, how am I serving the body of Christ? Because I don't want this church to close its doors. I don't want the lost to die without Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, that, that you loved us enough to entrust us with, uh, with your church. God, thank you that you don't want these doors to close even, even more than we don't. God, thank you that you've given us every gift that we need to make sure that this church will go on and it will reach people. Who will reach people? And, and people will be saved who will then lead others to salvation so that your name would be made great for no other reason. God, you have, you have been so good to us. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the body of Christ to this community who is hurting. They have questions. They have aches and they have pains. And God, we are here to be Christ to them. So challenge us, motivate us. God, I pray that you wouldn't let us get any sleep tonight before we know somewhere where we're supposed to be pouring into because you're just too big for us to keep to ourselves. So God, go with us. Break our hearts for the things that break yours. Get us excited about the things that gets you excited. Make us and mold us to be of one mind that whatever we have to do to make you known to this community, we're going to do it. Because you've called us to be the body of Christ and you've called us to be the church. We love you, Father. We thank you. Take care of us. Bring us safely back here for your namesake. We love you. Amen.